0: <laughs> but, uh, inshallah tonight, basically what I want to do is just give some uh, general points about the uh, fear, and then Inshallah discuss uh, one of the famous translations of the Quran into English, Yusuf Ali's translation and also if we have time, also discuss uh, Muhammad Asad's translation and some of the points concerning these two, uh, these two works. First of all, we should realize that tafsir is one of the most important sciences in Islam because it's through, uh, through tafsir that we learn what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran and we understand what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala desires from us because of this reason the ulama have discussed tafsir in great detail and have discussed many of the principles concerning uh, tafsir Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran says Alhamdulillahi على عبده الكتاب ولم wa lam and he praise be to the one who has revealed to his slave the book and has placed no any crookedness uh, therein and meaning that the book, the Qur'an, is something uh, clear for the most part. And another verse, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in the opening of uh, Surah Al-Baqarah, Al-Aflammeen, Darik al-Kitabu la-raybati, hudan Al Al-Aflammeen, that is the book in which there is no doubt guidance for those who are aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But even though we have this book, and the book is clear, it's still possible for us to be misled. And even though we have the book and we read the book, it's still possible for us to be misled. And that's basically through two ways. Number one, if we try to interpret the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without knowledge. And we read the Quran, and we give the Quran some meaning when we don't actually have the proper uh, requirements to give the tafsir. Or to explain the Quran, and this is uh, very dangerous. And one of the ways that we may be misled. Now, there's a number of Hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that say that if anyone interprets the Quran according to his opinion as then he shall uh, take a seat in the hellfire. And these kinds of these kinds of meanings. All of these Hadith are weak; they are not authentic. But still, if we look at the Sahaba. We look at how they looked to the Quran, we see that they were very careful when it came to giving any meaning to any verse in the Quran. Abu Bakr, for example, the first Khalifa, said that, yani, what earth will uh, give me a place to live and what sky will give me shade if I should say something about the Quran, yani, by my opinion, or something that he does not know for sure is correct. So explaining the Quran is not something simple. It's something very important but at the same time it has to meet uh, certain correct characteristics. And if we approach the Quran without the requisite knowledge it's very easy for us to get the wrong conclusions from the Quran. For example, there's a verse in the Quran that says عَلَى الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ مَا إِذَا الصَّالِحَاتِ ثُمَّ وَآمَنُوا ثُمَّ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse basically what the meaning of the verse is that there is no blame upon those people who believe and do good deeds uh, concerning what they eat or what they drink as long as they are aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they believe and they do good deeds and they are aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and believe and they are aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and do good well, if we look at this verse, and we're not familiar with how to interpret the Qur'an as one of the early, actually one of the early scholars, or one of the early uh, personalities in Islam, when he read this verse, he said, he concluded that alcohol is halal. And because the verse says that for those people who believe, there's no sin upon them concerning whatever they eat, or whatever they drink. So this man, when he read this verse, He said, therefore, alcohol is halal uh, and there's nothing wrong with it. The mistake he made is that he didn't follow the proper steps in Tafsir. He didn't look at the circumstances behind the verse. Or, in other words, he didn't have the proper knowledge to interpret this, uh, this verse. This verse was revealed after the prohibition of alcohol. And some of the Muslims, they were worried about those Sahaba who died before alcohol was prohibited. So they asked the, the Prophet said, what about these people who died and they were drinking alcohol? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed this verse concerning them that there's no sin upon them for what they drank as long as they yani, were aware of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala believed and did good deeds. So without the proper background, without the proper knowledge, it's very easy for us to get misguided even though we have the Quran and we, and we know it is a, a clear book One time, Umar Umar, ibn al-Khattab, he called the Muslims together, and he asked Ibn Abbas, Ibn Abbas, the Sahabi, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made dua, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would increase his knowledge and his understanding of the Quran. He asked Ibn Abbas, how could it be that the Muslims have one Prophet, one book, and one Qibla, and they will fight each other? They will differ, and they will fight each other. So Ibn Abbas answered him. He said that you and I, we read the Quran, and we know concerning what it was revealed. So therefore we both understand it, and we both know what it means. But there will come a people who will read the Quran, and they will not know concerning what it's been revealed, and therefore they will interpret it according to their opinion, and when they interpret it according to their opinions, then they will differ. And when they differ, they will fight each other. So even though we have this Qur'an, which is a clear uh, book from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, still if we don't have the proper knowledge, the proper tools to interpret it, and we, we may still be misguided even though we have this book. And the second way of being misguided, even though we still we have the Qur'an, is if we approach the Qur'an... Uh, with certain pre set notions. And we have our beliefs already, and then we go to the Qur'an, we try to prove our beliefs from the Qur'an. Well, in the history of Islam, this, this happened on a number of occasions. The the Shia, for example, the Mu'tazila, the Shia, for example, they take the verse, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered you to slaughter the cow. They say, Aisha. that this is the uh, this is a command. Uh, they say the cow in this verse means Aisha. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is ordering the Prophet to slaughter Aisha, according to the Shia commentators. And because they have their beliefs, and they just try to go to the Quran, or to try to go to the Hadith, and uh, prove their beliefs from the Quran or from the Hadith. And this is, as I said, unfortunately, it's common amongst all, actually, of Ahl al-Bidah all of the groups that are not following the way of the Prophet Sallallahu all of them try to go to the Qur'an and prove their beliefs from the Qur'an, even though in fact their beliefs are not uh, consistent with the Qur'an. Uh, to take another example, maybe more uh, intricate, the, uh, the a group called the Mu'tazila, they do not believe in uh, the intercession of the Prophet There is a hadith in which the uh, the Prophet said that uh, my intercession, or I will intercede for Ahl al of my Ummah. I will intercede for those people who committed the great sin. I will intercede for them, and they will be taken out of the hellfire and taken to paradise. The Mu'tazilah, they don't believe in this. They believe that if you commit great sins and you're an unbeliever, or you'll be an unbeliever and you'll be in hellfire uh, forever. So they say, what's the meaning of this hadith of the Prophet wasallam That they will intercede for Ahl al is the word in Arabic. They say Ahl al are those people who pray and have patience. Because Allah ta'ala says in Surah al-Baqarah, وَاسْتَعِينُوا بِالصَّبْرِ Salah. وَإِنَّهَا لَكَبِيرَةٌ إِلَّا عَلَى الْخَاشِعِينَ That bear with patience and prayer, and it is a big thing, لَكَبِيرَةٌ except for those people who are humble. I and mean, they completely uh, ignored the proven principles of the Arabic language and said that Ahl al-Kabair is referring to this, uh, to this verse. So if we approach the Qur'an with our own ideas already set, instead of letting the Qur'an and the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ Give us our aqidah. This is another way that will be misled even though we have the Qur'an in front of us. <laughs> what well, the scholars of Islam have clearly uh, stated, what are the principles, or what are the basics of uh, tafsir? In fact, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Qur'an says uh, in a verse, ثُمَّ inna عَلَيْنَا بَيَانَا Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying it's upon us to explain the Qur'an. Us is uh, referring to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is upon us to explain the Quran. In other words, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not reveal the Quran and leave the explanation, uh, open to anyone who comes to the Quran. Also, this means that the meaning of the Quran is one. Many people, including Yusuf Ali and Muhammad uh, Asad, they claim that they believe in a kind of progressive, uh, tafsir that over the years, the meaning of the Quran changes according to our understanding of life, as Abdullah Yusuf Ali says in his uh, introduction to his Quran, uh, introduction to his translation. That he says in spiritual matters, he believes in the kind of progression of understanding. While this verse in the Quran, ثُمَّ inna alayna bayana," makes it clear that the meaning of the Quran is one. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has explained it, and He has given the meaning actually. And that meaning doesn't change over time. You cannot say that the meaning the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam understood this verse to mean this, but in fact today it means something else. This is something that you find amongst the Christians uh, that is completely alien to the spirit of, uh, of Islam. The lessons for each generation from the Quran might be different. The lessons, the lessons are related to the circumstances, but the meaning is one. I mean, the meaning doesn't change over time. <laughs> Well, the principles of the Quran, I mean of Tafsir, is first if we want to explain a verse, we should go to the Quran itself. Because the Quran is one book and one revelation, and as some of the ulama said, it is like one, uh, one statement or one sentence. And no part contradicts the other. In fact, each part explains the other part. So the first thing we want to do, if we want to find the meaning of a verse, we go to the Quran itself. For example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Fatiha, we read in this Surah, <coughs> we say, Guide us to the straight path, the path of those whom you have blessed or whom you have graced with your favor. But who are those people who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Uh, has blessed with his favor. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the the Qur'an, another verse in Surah Al-Na'ilah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains who these people are. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains to us who those people are whom he has blessed. In the other verse, by saying that whoever obeys Allah and his Messenger, he'll be with those people whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed. From the Prophet, from the Siddiqeen or the Sincere, and the Martyrs, and the Salihin or the Righteous. So when we say, surat surat anamta We're asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to guide us to the path of the prophets, of the Siddiqeen, of the Martyrs, and of the Salihin. So one verse explains the other verse of the Qur'an. And there's many examples of that. For example, uh, in one verse Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed certain words to Adam to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that verse doesn't say what those words are. But in another surah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala states the dua that uh, he inspired uh, to Adam. So the first principle is that we take the Qur'an, if we want to understand any verse we first try to understand it in in the light of the other verses of the Qur'an. And what this means also is that if anyone interprets the Qur'an, if anyone interprets one verse of the Qur'an in such a way that it contradicts another verse of the Qur'an, obviously that kind of tafsir must be rejected. And it is clear, inshallah. The second source of tafsir of the Qur'an is the sunnah of the وسلم. In fact that was part of his job to explain the Qur'an. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Summa inna alayna bayana, he's including yani, the fact that he sent the Prophet wa ta'ala and part of the Prophet Prophet's wa job was to explain the Qur'an. As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says when لِتُبَيِّنَ Lake a dhikr, li tubayyin, li tubayyin, li tubayyin that we have revealed unto you the dhikr, or as the mufassirin say, the Sunnah of the Prophet, wa ta'ala, in order to explain unto mankind what has been revealed to them. What well, is the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam who showed us, for example, how to pray. Allah Subh'anaHu Wa taala ordered us in the Quran to establish the salat, the of salat. But nowhere does Allah Subh'anaHu Wa taala in the Quran show us exactly how the prayer is to be performed. Yani how many raq'ahs, what do we say in the different uh, positions? What position follows the other position? This is only to be found in the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The sunnah is the, is the actual implementation of the Quran, so if we want to see how the, the Quran is meant to be understood, how Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala meant the Quran to be understood, or what's the meaning of the Quran. in Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says, the second thing we do, we look to the Sunnah of the Prophet And there's many verses in the Quran also that we can see that the Sahaba did not understand them properly until they went to the Prophet Sallam and he explained it to them. <laughs> As the verse that says, uh, In this verse, Allah is describing those people who believe, and they do not mix their belief with any dhurm. Well, durm has many meanings, And if we just, uh, if we wanted to make sense clear to the, over the Quran and we come to this verse, and it has many meanings that we can get from the word gulm. But even the Sahaba, they misunderstood this verse. Because they said, who doesn't do some wrong, and uh, Even though he's a believer, he does some wrong. So the Prophet ﷺ had to, had to explain to them <coughs> that the meaning of this verse is shirk. I mean, the meaning of the word gulm in this verse is shirk. And he doesn't mix his belief with shirk. So therefore, the Sahaba, even though they were experts in the Arabic language, they did not get the proper meaning of this verse. What this implies is that, and in order to get the proper meaning, it's not sufficient even to be expert in the Arabic language, but we have to go to the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu One of the Tabi'in he came to Umar, Umar al-Khattab, and he asked Umar, um, Umar ibn al-Khattab about the prayer of the traveler. He said that, uh, why do we pray two rakat when traveling instead of four when we're in a period of safety? Because the Qur'an and the verse in the Qur'an describing <coughs> the, uh, the traveling, the prayer while traveling, has a condition, in and yani if you fear the enemy, then you may shorten your prayer. So this uh, tabi, he understood it, that if we don't fear any enemy, then we cannot shorten the prayer while traveling. So he asked Omar al-Khattab about it, and Omar al-Khattab said, "I had the same feeling, I had the same understanding." So I went to the Prophet ﷺ and asked him, and the Prophet ﷺ said, "This is a gift from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. you have to accept this gift." So again, what this implies is that even an excellent command of the Arabic language is not sufficient to make tafsir. You have to refer to the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, and as I said, this was one of the rules. Or one of the jobs of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam to explain the Quran in the way that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala wished for it to be explained. And one of the reasons for many people making mistakes in Tafsir is that they neglect to look to the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and how he explained the Quran. For example, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says, "In the Quran, للَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا الْحُسْنَ Uh For those people who do and Asana was not those who do good, but I would say those who do good. I and mean, they will get good in return, and something in addition. Muhammad Asad is one of those uh, I mean, people who wrote in the Quran who doesn't like to look too much to the sunnah of the Prophet. The, the Prophet explained this verse very clearly. He said that the is something in addition, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will remove the hijab or the veil in front of him and the believers and in the hereafter they will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But Muhammad Asad doesn't believe that anyone can see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So therefore he came to the Quran with preconceived notions as I mentioned earlier.
1: And when Allah subhanahu wa
0: ta'ala in this verse says, ziyada, Instead of taking what the Prophet explained the meaning to be, he simply said that they will get good and something more than they deserve. And in other words, they refuse to to uh, interpret the Quran in the way that the Prophet Wasallam explained it. And the third principle <laughs> of explaining the Quran, besides the other verses of the Quran, besides the Sunnah of the Prophet Wasallam, is looking through the basics or the the I mean not the basics but the uh, the Arabic language and its rules. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clearly states in the Quran that this, this Quran has been revealed in Arabic language. So therefore the rules yani of the sentences, the grammar, the structure, even the vocabulary, it is based on the Arabic language. If we try to interpret the Quran, and unfortunately many, many Americans do this but not intentionally inshallah, they read the translation of the Quran and they get some meaning from the from the translation, and that meaning is completely inconsistent with the actual Arabic of the uh, of the of the Quran. In addition to that, also Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says in the Quran that every messenger has been sent with the tongue of his people. So what that means also is that the uh, the Quran is not only in Arabic, but it has been revealed in the Qurayshi Arabic. Of the time of the Prophet صلى الله عليه So, in other words, if there's a word that has a meaning during the time of the Prophet صلى الله عليه and later its meanings changed and it's found in the Quran, that meaning is the meaning from the time of the Prophet صلى الله عليه It's not the new meaning that came later. Uh, for example, and I was trying to think of before the talk for uh, for an example which is less trivial than this one, but I could not think of it, so I'll give this example anyway. The word uh, kalima. The word kalima, now, if you ask almost any, <coughs> if you ask in almost any Arab what's the meaning of the word kalima, they'll tell you it means word. And the word harf means letter. But actually, during the time of the Prophet the word kalima meant complete sentence. This is why the Shahad Allah ilaha illallah is called kalima t a good sentence, not words. This is why the Prophet, when he said, you will receive ten rewards for each harf of the Qur'an, he said for each word of the Qur'an, but then he explained it. and He said, I don't mean alif lam meem is harf, but alif harf wa meem harf wa meem harf. So the meaning of these two words have changed over time. So when we come to it in the Qur'an, we don't take the later meaning, we have to apply the earlier meaning. Or the meaning if that is from the time of the Prophet and one of, by the way, of the important aspects of the Arabic language is that every Arabic word has, uh, we can call a basic meaning. And then it might have other meanings which are less common or less usual uh, in the Arabic language. So according to the Arabic language, that every word has we're supposed to understand every word according to its basic meaning, unless there's some evidence to explain it, to understand it some other way. In other words, for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks in the Qur'an about Al-Arsh, the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The meaning of Arsh in the Qur'an, the Arabic language, is clear. So therefore, when talking about the meaning of the Qur'an, we cannot go from that word and give it some other meaning which, in fact, is not related to it like, say, his power or his authority. I mean, this is not acceptable. This is known as ta'wil, which is unacceptable, a type of uh, scripture to as the biblical scholars uh, call it. <coughs> so before getting to uh, Abdullah Yusuf Ali's uh, tafsir, there's another verse in the Quran which I would like to mention and discuss uh, a little bit. And that's the verse in the Quran in which Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says: "Who has this, uh, this this verse in the Quran Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala is saying that the, there's two types of verse in the Quran. The or the ones which are clear and then Allah subhanahu wa continues in that verse, Who is the one who is the the مِنْهُ who is the the وما يعلم التأويله إلا الله والراسخون في العلم يقولون أمن به كل من عند ربنا وما يذكر إلا أولى للبعض ورسو وما يعلم إلا الله والراسخون في العلم يقولون أمن أمن به كل من عند ربنا. This verse, Allah wa Taala is dividing, as I said, the verse in the Quran into two texts, and he said that those people who have a disease in their heart, they go after al-mutashabihat, trying to uh, yani make some fitna, trying to make some differences amongst the people, and trying to get its real meaning. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, but no one knows its real meaning except Allah. And those people of knowledge, they say, we believe in all of it, it is from our Lord. But this verse can also be read, that no one knows its meaning except Allah and those people of knowledge who say we believe in this. And mean, both readings are correct, but they have different meanings depending on how you read them. First of all, what we get from this verse is that most of the Quran is not mutashabih, okay. I And mean, most, most of the verses in the Quran are clear. Muhammad Asad in his tafsir uh, he claims that most of the Quran is mutashabih. Most of the Quran is open into, to interpretation and we give it different meanings over time. And this is not true according to this, uh, uh, this verse in the Quran. Also, the mutashabihat, something could be mutashabih to one scholar while it is clear to another scholar. And it is actually a relative term. If someone finds the meaning, for example, in the sunnah or is clear from the Arabic language to him, then the verse is no longer mutashabih while to another scholar it might be. Uh, finally, uh, with respect to the last part, uh, If we mean the tafsir the of the verse, or what's the verse mean, then yes, the people of knowledge know what the verse means. If we mean the actual, for example, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about jinnah,
1: if we mean, do
0: we actually know what jinnah is exactly, how it will look, and uh, how we'll feel it, and so forth? This is called the Tawil of the verse, and this, of course, only Allah ta'ala knows. Right now, we do not know. So that's the, according to the second reason. But what is clear, according to all of the ulama, the uh, the or the miracles of the prophets of the prophets, alayhi salam, they are not from the mutashabihat Muhammad Asad, he claims that any miracle stated in the Quran is from the mutashabihat, and he tries to give some interpretation for it. at for example, the people of the cave who slept for 300 years, and he, this is completely unacceptable to Muhammad Asad, so he said this is a group of Jewish scholars that went to the mountains to study. And they lived there with their families, and they, they lived you know, generation after generation for 300 years before the people found out about it. Uh with respect to uh the, the the birds who protected Mecca from the from the elephant, also he said this was uh, like smallpox or something. And he tries to give some uh, some explanation. With respect to well uh, I think that's uh, sufficient. This Yahim according to all of the ulama, the salaf, all of the early scholars of Islam, they are not from the mutashabihat. In other words, they mean what they say. And anyway, these miracles actually were performed by the will and by the will of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Also, the ayat the or the ayat the verses referring to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala and His attributes are also not from the mutashabihat. In one sense, in another sense, of course they are, because Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says, ليس شَيْءٍ There's nothing like Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Wa So whenever Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala gives any one of His attributes, we know what it means, but we cannot say what its exact nature means. In other words, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says he hears, we know what hearing means. But we cannot say exactly how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, hears. I said, the, the reason I brought this verse up is because there are many people who claim that many verses of Qur'an are mutashabihat. In- inconsistent with how the Prophet sallallahu the Qur'an and it's completely inconsistent with the Arabic language. But we have to be familiar with what they do. And as Muhammad uh, Asad did, he claims that most of the Quran is (coughs) muttashabah. And from this foundation, he can interpret the Quran in almost any way he wishes. At the turn of the century, unfortunately, uh, especially in Egypt and other parts of the Muslim world, (coughs) they were greatly influenced by and really, they greatly marveled at the scientific civilization of Europe. And so, therefore, they began to, uh, some of the scholars, and by the way, their intention, and we're not talking about their intention, because their intention was to, uh, was to defend Islam. One of the scholars who, uh, who brought about secularism, although he didn't mean to, in Europe, was a man by the name of Kant. Kant was a firm believer in God. But he said that the rules of the hereafter, or the, I mean, the, the rules of the unseen, or the logic of the unseen, doesn't apply to the logic of this world. He thought he's defending Christianity, but in fact, what he did pretty much led to the destruction of, of Christianity. So the same thing with respect to these scholars like Muhammad Abdu, and uh, Jamal Dina uh, Rashid Rida, They were trying to defend Islam. They thought what they were doing is defending Islam. What they did was wrong. There is no question what they did was wrong or what they said was wrong. We have to uh, reject what they said. But at the same time, we do not uh, have to condemn the person and talk about his intention. Inshallah, their intention was to defend Islam. So So when they so admired the Western civilization, the scientific civilization, they began to interpret the Quran in very materialistic ways. As I alluded to earlier with Muhammad Asad, they begin to uh, <coughs> they begin to, to deny all of the ma'ajizat or all of the miracles stated in the Quran. They, they begin to deny most of the sifat that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala mentions uh, in the Quran, and they begin to interpret the Quran almost not as the Quran is supposed to be interpreted, but as the Western or uh, as Europe. They interpret it in terms, really, of, of European society. Well, unfortunately, Abdullah Yusuf Ali is one of the people who was affected by that movement. And in his tafsir, there's many places, we see that he has made some uh, mistakes, and sometimes the mistakes were gross mistakes. We hope Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives Abdullah Yusuf Ali for his mistakes and rewards him for the service that, uh, that he did to Islam. But at the same time, we should not ignore uh, the mistakes he made so I've written down some of the, just some some of the points from his uh, Tafsir. <clears throat> some of the footnotes. In footnote 44, for example, Yusuf Ali is under the belief, and he states it clearly in, in different places in the, in his Tafsir, that there's no such thing actually as heaven and hell. But they are just state of mind. And he hell uh heaven is a place where you just feel felicity, In your mind, in hell is a place where you just feel torture in your mind. He doesn't actually believe in heaven and hell as places where there will be resurrection and uh, all of mankind will be resurrected, body and soul, and they will live in this new uh, existence. He mentions that in footnote 44 of his uh, commentary and in many different places. Obviously, if we go back to the three principles, or the three uh, tools used to use, used to uh, make here, the Qur'an itself, the Sunnah of the Prophet and the Arabic language, and this obviously contradicts all three of them. Because the Qur'an is clear about heaven and hell, the Sunnah the, or the Hadith of the Prophet is clear, and also the Arabic language if we go to the Qur'an, and it is clear. Also with respect to Iblis or the Shaitan in general, and also Muhammad Asad in his Tafsir, in his appendix, he has the same uh, kind of thing with respect to Iblis. He says in footnote 52 that the Iblis is the power of evil. He believes in it as something like the evil conscious in mankind. He does not believe in a creature created by Allah Subhanahu wa Taala as Iblis. He believes it's some kind of uh, evil power, evil conscience. Or just if someone does something wrong, then we say this is related to Iblis, but in fact there's no such thing as Iblis. Well, if we go to the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered the angels to bow down to, uh, to Adam. And among the people who were commanded to bow down to Adam was Iblis, and he refused. And he even said something. So this kind of interpretation goes clearly against the Qur'an. And how is it the power, supposedly some kind of power of evil, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clearly states it as a kind of uh, special creature. In footnote 168, we get a very clear example of where uh, Abdullah Yusuf Ali is ignoring the sunnah of the Prophet and this this is a footnote to a verse which is talking about all of mankind has to pass over the fire. All of mankind will pass over the fire. Well the Prophet said him explained this as the sirat the path over the hellfire. And for some people they will go quickly, and for other people they will struggle and so forth. But the Prophet said him clearly explained the meaning of this verse. And if the Prophet said, him, said something, we cannot go to something else. But again Yusuf Ali refused to follow what the Prophet him, said and he calls it the fire of repentance. Now there's nowhere in the Quran or in the hadith or even in the Arabic language in the Quran there's nowhere anything such as the fire of repentance. And he says all of us mass must pass through the fire of repentance. And because he's not willing to look to the sunnah of the Prophet to see what this Hadith, uh, what this verse really means he has to come up with some strange uh, tafsir. With respect to also the the story of Ibrahim, the Prophet Abraham, uh, the story in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala how he re- recreates uh, the dead and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him to cut, uh, up some birds and put them on hills and then call them and they will come to him. As I said, this is one of the majizat or miracles explained in the Quran. Uh, of course Yusuf Ali in footnote, uh, 308. In footnote 308, Yusuf Ali completely denies there's any miracle to this. I mean, he said the birds were not killed and they were not, uh, they did not come back to Ibrahim uh, in that way. And of course, if the birds were not killed and not brought back to life, there's no meaning to this verse whatsoever. Because Ibrahim asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to show him how he recreates the dead. And and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told him to do this while according to uh, Abdullah Yusuf Ali, he did not do it. They were not dead. So, and his meaning, and it clearly contradicts the earlier, uh, verses of the Quran in the same, uh, in the same passage. Also, with respect to some of his fiqh, uh, points that he makes in the tafsir also, for example, he says war is only in self-defense, in footnote 204, he said war is only in self-defense, while we know, and he's talking about jihad, by the way, he's not talking about war. War and jihad are not the same thing. We don't have anything such as war in Islam. <clears throat> but we know that jihad, jihad is not just self-defense. But Islam is, uh, but jihad is meant to spread the law of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala and the word of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala throughout the earth. If there's a non-Muslim country that does not allow us to spread the law of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, regardless of whether they attack us or not, we have to make jihad against. So war, uh, so jihad is not just in self-defense. But as I said, Yusuf Ali came from a certain period, uh, a certain period of time which many of the, many of the Muslims were trying to almost make apologies for Islam and try to show that uh, Islam is not as some people claim. And therefore, unfortunately, this was, this influenced his commentary on the Quran. In footnote 324, he talks about Riba. According to the the Arabic <coughs> according to the Arabic definition of the, of the, uh, of the word uh, riba, which means, in fact, any increase, any addition to the capital, there's only one way that riba could be translated into English, and that is that interest is not usury. Riba is not usury. Usury means an exorbitant amount of interest, a very large, very high interest rate compared to what the market can bear. Well, riba is any kind of interest. It's not usury, it's any kind of interest. So first of all, he he translates as usury, which is a mistake. But in his commentary to this verse, he said that, well, you know, things change over time and people interpret the Quran according to their times. Well, actually, this is a word clear in the Arabic language. And then he says that riba in the Quran is not the same thing which is the creation of the modern banking system. In other words, he's saying that the interest that the banks charge is not the same thing as Riba. So you may take loans and whatever uh, with the banks. By the way, all of these so far are just from Surat al-Baqarah. Just from Surat al-Baqarah. I didn't have time to go. Hamid called me uh, just a few minutes before I left. Uh, I was just about to leave to the airport when he called to tell me I had two extra talks when <laughs> I had to gather my notes together. All of these are from Surat al-Baqarah. I'll just mention one more. <clears throat> And that's the uh, footnote 929 in which he talked about the jinn. And he said the jinn are the hidden qualities or capacities in men. Well, this is interesting because the Quran says what? The Quran says that the Prophet الله told the Prophet الله عليه وسلم that a group of the jinn listened to the Quran. A group of the jinn listened to the Quran and it seems that Yusuf Ali sometimes... He, he didn't read the whole Qur'an if you, if you read his, uh, his Tafsir. Now, how, if you're going to translate jinn as the hidden qualities or capacities of men, then what do these other verses mean that say that the group of jinn listen to the Qur'an?
1: And of course, all of the hadith
0: uh, related to that. Well, those are some of the points from uh, from Abdullah Yusuf Ali's uh, translation and commentary on the Qur'an. I mean, for many years, scholars have talked about uh, revising this translation.
1: Well, there was a committee
0: in, in uh, Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, made up of about 30 ulema. Jafar Sheikh uh, Idris was one of them. Sheikh uh, Mustafa Al-Admi was one of them. Well, their job was to, uh, to revise Yusuf Ali's translation of the quran Well, they didn't get very far because the Ba and Bismillah, they had about 12 different opinions about what, how it should be translated. <laughs> so after yani, discussing the book Bismillah for about three or four days, the whole project kind of uh, fell apart. But alhamdulillah, there have been uh, recently a man of publications or I think yeah, a man of publications. They have published a revised edition. Well, Yusuf Ali has many... Uh, unfortunately, it's still one of the best translations in, in English, unfortunately.
1: But there's many,
0: many mistakes in uh, Yusuf Ali's uh, or commentary and unfortunately the revised edition was not able to get rid of all of these mistakes for example many of the footnotes that I mentioned some of them they deleted them completely others they did not quite uh, delete them and some they just left alone so the revised edition is far far better much better than the old edition I mean they deleted a lot of stuff that should have been deleted but it's still very far from uh, from perfect and as I said, you know, to remove everything from Yusuf Ali, which is questionable, would in fact take uh, a great, great work. I mentioned um, Muhammad Asad's tafsir quite a few times because it uh, is also gaining in popularity. And I mentioned some of the mistakes that he made. He is kind of like a modern-day mu'atazila. Uh, and his tafsir is really a mu'atazili tafsir of, of the Quran. Well, Mu'tazila is a group, as you all know, that's existed in the history of Islam, and uh, they have certain—they uh, have their five principles and so on. And his principles, uh, his tafsir is basically according to their uh, their beliefs. I talked about how he denies all of the miracles I mentioned the Quran. He also denies all of the positive attributes of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala in his appendix to the Quran and as appendix to his translation. He says we cannot say anything about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala except what He is not. And He is not imperfect, He is not this, He is not that. Some scholars before Him who had the same, uh, who had the same way of thinking, they even reached such an extreme that they even said He is not in existence and He is not not in existence. He is not uh, mujood uh, He is not not mujood. So what, what he's doing basically is all of those uh, verses in the Quran the state attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like he is ar-Rahman ar-Rahim and he, these people are saying no we cannot say he's ar-Rahman ar-Rahim so I don't know even how they pray when they say alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen ar-Rahman ar-Rahim it must mean nothing to them he's saying we can only say what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala isn't he isn't imperfect he isn't incomplete he isn't this he isn't that and uh, finally, just one last point about Muhammad Asad. Uh, I don't know how long he wanted me to speak, Hamid, but I hope, inshallah. Well, I hope I've spoken long enough then. <laughs> one last point about Muhammad Asad Tafir is his, uh, I mean, there's many things also we could say about this tafir, his commentary, but his, uh, his note to Surah Al-Nur, the verse concerning the dress of the of the women, he does something very nice uh, on this. Uh, his argument is that the dress of the women is, should be modest. And modesty is is uh, something that changes over time. In other words, during the time of the Prophet ﷺ, it was one thing. But nowadays, it's something completely different. So nowhere does he state uh, what exactly the dress of the woman is supposed to be according to uh, uh, according to the faqaha. But he does also another nice thing in that footnote. He quotes an earlier scholar who said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands the women to cover what they should be covered except what he permits them or or except what uh, may be uncovered without loss of modesty. So he takes this quote from Tafsir al-Kabir by Imam Ar-Razi. And the problem is he takes just half the quote. He said this, uh, and in the, the quote, as he states that women may uncover or the women have to cover whatever is deemed necessary by custom, and he just leaves it at that. But if you go to Tafsir Razi, the, quote, the scholar he quoted says that and that that the women may uncover, according to Quran, is the face and hands. Okay, he leaves that part out, and he says just according to custom, and then he argues that well, custom changes over time. And of course, for those people who do not have the uh, tafsir al tabir which is a big tafsir, not that many people have it, especially those people who don't read Arabic. I don't think they would have it for any reason. <laughs> and he, in other words, he makes a kind of belief or deception in, the, in, this, in that note, and he does this on a few other occasions also in the in, in tafsir. So tafsir is very dangerous for that reason. And he leads you to believe that what he's saying is what some of the earlier scholars said, while in fact, if you study it closer. He is misinterpreting or, or misquoting what the uh, what the earlier scholars said. Inshallah, on that point, I will uh, end and perhaps open the floor for questions or comments. No, do I say that? I said it's much. I said it's much better than the old one, but still there's some there's some bumps that you have. Okay, so since you see some bumps, do you have any any kind of idea or intention to 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 me? <laughs> Well, I don't have any, uh, I don't think it's necessary for us to keep working on the same uh, translation, necessarily. And if you keep revising Abdullah Yusuf Ali, well, if we do that, then we'll end up with nothing. (laughs) So, uh, Yeah, Inshallah, we might provide some alternative. Not me, but Bashir Publication. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Which is me, actually. To <laughs> <laughs> be more honest, i oh, not, not soon. And it would, it would not be the whole Quran. We have, for example, Tafsir Surah Al-Fatiha, large Tafsir Surah al and Tafsir Surah Al-Baqarah, that we publish sometimes in Al-Bashir. It's from those collections. Uh, and it will not be the entire Quran. But... Uh, there is uh Sheikh Shahibris told me that there is a new translation of the Quran coming out. Uh he told me it's very good. Uh he promised to send me a copy to look look over. So maybe inshallah there'll be some new ones coming out that are better inshallah. Okay. Do so I have a what? Waiting? Yeah. It's a rating. A three. On On any scale you like. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what the scale, it gets to 3. It's supposed to be modern English as I Yeah, personally, I don't care for it. I don't care for it. I think he... he uh, you know, the Qur'an is tough enough to translate the way it is, but he uh, he he just loses the meaning of the Qur'an sometimes. I mean, uh, he tries to make it too... Uh, almost slang, almost. <laughs> you know, I mean, he tries to make it too modern English that sometimes it's Sometimes you need a difficult word or or old word to really convey what the Quran is saying at this point. Not everything can be broken down to simple words or modern terms. Or something. Okay. Any more? Okay. So let me ask you, brother. Could you please? So we are we have a lecture here. And it's impossible. Could you tell it? Could you close this door and use the other door, please? Would you? Raki, you delay that. Please close the door. Brother Jamal, uh, you said, like, the verse of no people, in fact, you quoted the verse, or the other. They have al-fusna and additional things, which is, you interpreted it as uh, seeing Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. I mean, you know, the interpretation you chose is seeing Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet sallallahu interpretation of yeah. the verse. <laughs> okay. What do you say for the verse, of course the other team, which does not believe in that. Use the, uh, the verse that says, wa wa Or the vision will not see Allah and Allah will be able to see them. They cannot see Allah with their eyes but Allah will be able to see them with, with with his eyes. So what do you think of this verse? Uh, read the verse again in Arabic. But <audio>: Sudrik, <speaking> oh. <speaking> hmm. by the way, you're, you're Arab. What's the meaning of <speaking> Exact, exactly? Well, you know the Arabic language and a word that you said might have different meanings. Uh, so, Sudrik <speaking> means cannot grasp him, if I translate it word to word. But what is the meaning grasp him? So. Could you just elaborate on that? <coughs> so first of all, any yani if, if we're saying that if we see Allah wa Taala in the hereafter, that we'll see all there is to Allah wa Taala, this is any yani, This is not what we're saying. And this is, uh, I think, you missed what I said. Okay. Could you say it again? I said that if we if we say that we'll be given the pleasure of seeing Allah wa Taala in the hereafter. That doesn't mean the same thing as that we will be able to, yeah. I mean, with our sight encompass all that there is to Allah which is what the uh, the verse implies. Well, that's still true, I mean, according to... Uh, not my interpretation, but according to what the Prophet says. Yeah, I mean. but the word absaal itself, the eyes, see, that, or the vision. Yeah. You didn't touch on that one. <laughs> I mean, I agree with you by the way. Okay, I mean, you know, I, I take uh, I'm just bringing to, the, to your attention the argument of the other people. No, because they're basing their argument on the Quran too. No, you so see what that, I'm saying? But as I said, yani, to interpret the Quran you have to go to the Sunnah of the Prophet. One time Imran bin Hussein was re- reading some hadith and someone told him that what you were saying is contradicted by the Quran. Yani, these hadith of the Prophet is contradicted by the Quran. And his answer was, the the Prophet of Allah knows the Quran better than you know, better than anyone knows. Well, I don't have to discuss it because already in the, in the word Tudrik, uh, and the reputation is clear. You have a question? Okay. Salaam alaikum. I think from hearing you, I feel that. You know more Arabic than the Arabic-speaking language. You pronounce it very well. And I want to get advice for the teen Egypt who are born in here and raised here, how to encourage them to read Arabic fluently and understand it, not just read it with me parents. Jazakallah It's not exactly related to the, yes. the topic. Yes. Well, Muhammad knows I hate to answer any questions. Uh, is this for me? You don't have to take okay. <laughs> <laughs> We have a dessert for you, by the way. After we finish this, we'll have the dessert. And I think um, if you really want to understand, as Brother I said earlier today, even the Salat and, and reading the Quran, I think if you really have the desire to understand what it means, and not just get it through translation or to read it without understanding the meaning, if you really have that desire, and it just will drive you to, I think, learn the the Arabic language, at least enough uh, to be able to understand in general. And you don't have to understand in detail. Even many Arabs, they don't understand in detail. I won't point anyone out particularly here. I and mean, that's not necessary, but you know, I mean, still you will you will understand what is going on and what is uh, what is being said. Well, if you realize the importance of Arabic in understanding the Quran and understanding the Hadith, and also if you realize the importance of Arabic in getting good literature. and I mean, what we have in, in English uh, isn't much. I want to put something on the table. <laughs> if you have in English isn't much, uh, I mean, you can read it uh, Within a year, I would say, if a Muslim and just sat down and wanted to read most of what we have in English, and also the quality is not like what you find here. So, if someone also wants to go beyond that to really learn about Islam, uh, he will be forced, or at least he will feel the need to to learn Arabic. So, if you're talking about youth, for example, if you're talking about your children, you should uh, instill them with the feeling that if they really want to understand the Quran they really want to understand Allah's message to them, that they're going to have to understand some Arabic. And just trust this fact that the good books are in Arabic, the hadith are in Arabic, the Quran is in Arabic. And Inshallah, this will make them think to work at least on Arabic and to understand, Inshallah. Okay, one last question. Uh, You know, you talked about I looked at it. I love at The, it. I love that the it, question it, is, uh, what was the topic? At the moment, was actually written for uh, in, in in British English, and I was wondering if you could refer us to a translation which was for an American. Uh, uh, audience, uh, written in an American style English. Well, uh, T.B. Irving's translation. I mean, yeah, this is the one you had referred to and you said it, it had said some... The T.B. Irving's is written in, in English. It's called, the, I think, the first American version of the Quran or something like that. Even the name, I can't, <laughs> I can't really put up with that name. Right, you said some, there was some slang with that. Language, he doesn't really give you the message of Uh There's, and uh, English is very readable. Uh, the other one by Mustan Khan, and uh, is it' by Mustan Khan? Don't you remember he translated by himself or with someone else? His English is very readable, but there's lots of typing errors and lots of grammatical mistakes. <laughs> but it's very readable. Unfortunately, right now we don't really have uh, good, good translations. You <laughs> came late. Getting a bit late. Actually, <laughs> the best translation. I mean, see, so the best translation. We're just talking about the text of the Quran as Muhammad Ali's translation, and in his footnotes he brings out his Qadiani stuff. But his translation actually is very good. Also, A.J. Arbery's translation, to some extent, also non good. But this translation, he tries to capture some of the beauty of it. Uh, that was already... Uh, yes. Okay, brothers. Was... I guess I have uh, another question, but I'll be late. And uh, we'll start at this point. Unless you have a... Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. In some, in some verses he translates many verses much better than anyone else. But he is Qadiani, and his footnotes are full of nine. So you cannot give that translation to anyone unless you sit there and cut out all the it And we quoted more than I guess uh, at least I uh, started counting more than six or seven, you know, yeah. problems with mistakes in it, and just in Surah Al-Baqarah. Is, uh, Dr. Uh, Jamal was quoting. So we have to be very cautious in dealing with this uh, translation. translation. Okay, I'd like to thank all of you for attending to last program. Uh, I hope, insha'Allah, learned something out of it. And uh, we'll see you all tomorrow. Before you leave, make sure you get the dessert, insha'Allah. Allahumma.